You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You are technically more experienced than I. Wow. At being on this show. Um, so bear with me, but I think it should go okay. Okay. Hello, you are listening to Intuit from Vulture and New York Magazine. I am your guest host, Sean Ramsverum, doing double duty this week, also hosting my regular gig today explained. But I'm here filling in for Sam Sanders, who had to go see the Queen in London. Say hi to Beyonce for me, Sam. I'm joined now by Vulture royalty. <laughs> Television critic Catherine Van Arendonk. Hi, Catherine. Hello. I can't believe Sam is gone seeing Beyonce and we're stuck here working. Like what? what? <laughs> That's what I said when I found out what he was actually doing. Come on. <laughs> Take me with you, Sam. How far would you travel for a concert, Catherine? What's the farthest you've ever traveled? Uh, let's see. In high school, I drove. Uh, I drove like a couple hours because I was in the Midwest, and I believe that was just to an Incubus concert. Nice. It was 2003. Pardon me. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think I've ever done. Certainly not like a cross country flight. But I'm now feeling like I need to like rearrange some life choices. You know, it's everyone's doing it. I've been hearing about lots of travel for Beyonce. But you know, yeah, for the Queen, we travel. Um, I want to get to the game in a minute. But first, let us talk about Succession. Have you heard of this show? It's on Max. Have you heard of Max? It's an app that everyone was forced to download last. Yeah, week. never heard of her. No, nope, okay. absolutely not. <laughs> I know you've thought a lot about this show, and you wrote this week that one of the hardest questions that you're left with at the end of it all is, what kind of show was this? And and help us understand what you meant by that question, what kind of show? Yeah, so, I mean, I was thinking back to the very first episodes of Succession, and I was thinking back not just to those episodes, but to the conversations that that I remember about them, because there was this real slow boil to the beginning of, of how this show took over TV discourse. It was not the show to watch from episode one. And in fact, in those early episodes of the first season, a lot of what I saw were people saying, like, I'm not sure I get what its wavelength is. Like, am I supposed to be laughing at it? Am I supposed to be disgusted by it? Is it like a drama that I'm supposed to be following and like really invested in these big plot moves? Or is it really about how these people are? Am I just is it like an arrested development? Everyone's terrible kind of a thing. And. In part, that's because it was the beginning of a show, right? Mm. And it, like, there were ways that when you go back, you can see it, it was pretty locked in from the beginning, but it was not exact. And it, it took a little bit of time for the show to really find its rhythm. But in part, that's because it was perpetually playing with both of those questions. Like, is this a drama? 
is this a comedy? Should you be laughing at these people? Should you be cringing? Should you be disgusted by them? And how should you? How does that affect how you're watching this show? Like, should you be tracking all of these little tiny plot details this whole time? Mm. Like, it's all going to come back like lost? Is this an Easter egg twist show kind of a thing? Or is this really like a sitcom with like idiots hanging out together and I'm watching them all be idiots? And so that was really the, the thing that I was most curious about what the finale was going to do was like, how does the finale negotiate that question? Ends are so hard Mm. and drama ends are so different than comedy ends, right? Yeah. I mean, a thing that happened in this season for me watching the show that didn't happen as much in the previous seasons is I felt uncomfortable with what the show was maybe trying to say about our reality. This is a show that's always sort of been adjacent to our reality. I would notice the iPhones changing with every season because our iPhones were also changing. But on especially on an election night episode, you couldn't dismiss how real this show felt. It's missing. Every vote must be counted. Yeah. I think she's right. <laughs> well, I think she's right. Well, right. yeah, okay, but we, we, we can count the votes that we have. However, unfortunately, some are lost, so. And so I was wondering, you know, what you made ultimately of the line succession kept between reality and entertainment. Like, obviously, this is supposed to be a family drama based on the life of the Murdochs, but the creator of the show, Jesse Armstrong, has often been at great pains to say that it's really not the Murdochs, it's these fictional characters. But these windows into what a you know real-life like one-percenter dynasty could look like have been fascinating to me, and I wondered if you were also thinking about them. Yeah, I, I think, you know, this is something that I think about a lot, actually, when I think about stand-up comedy. Hmm. And this thing that sometimes you will see, hear people say um, when they realize a, a comedy special has been edited or when you discover that, in fact, a joke is not real, right? Yeah. The reality of that is that often when people are trying to tell stories that really hit with an audience, when people are trying to create characters that feel fascinating and messy and complicated and feel like our real lives, feel like they're saying something about the real world— It works better. We receive it better when it's made up. Mm. The real thing is not shaped the way a story is. Our brains do not receive it as well if you told me the actual nitty-gritty details of the Murdoch's life. You could throw in what I'm sure are horrendous, insane details about Rupert Murdoch. And it would not have the same – it would not land the same way as something like Succession does because it has been so beautifully crafted to be able to reflect the world back to me in a way that I can actually see more clearly than if it were an actual mirror. Hey, so uh, FBA is saying they have enough vote reported to call Wisconsin. So Freedom Voice America and Very News are calling. Great, the maniacs. Wow. Well – can't get outflanked and we need to be fast, so I think we should call it, right? Let's call it. No, 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 no. And I think that's one of the things that the election episode does so, so well. I do not believe there was no Wisconsin situation quite like that. I do not believe there was a guy sitting in a room. I don't think Roman was in a room being like, pick Trump or whatever. And yet, this false version of it, I look at it and I'm like, oh, God, that's us. That's us. That's us right now. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Right. And <laughs> it can hit you emotionally almost um, more effectively at a slight fictionalized remove. We just made a night of good TV. This is succession to me. Nothing happens. Things do happen. Um, 
that reaction you're talking about, that, oh, God, that's us, it, it felt to me like that was the reaction that the coastal states and, you know, federal district might have been having in that moment. But maybe not everyone in the country would have been having that reaction. And that made me wonder, like, who was this show ultimately for? I mean, if you live in a certain media bubble it could seem like everyone was watching this show. I saw, you know, a viral tweets and, and footage of people like watching this show together in a bar on Sunday night. But but the truth was not the entire country was watching this show. Sure, right? absolutely not. Um, and never has. It has never been a show on the same popularity level um, as even some of the other – HP. like it, it does not do as well as House of the Dragon. Um, mm. It does not do as well as uh, – fascinatingly, Yellowstone, which is often called a red state succession. I think that is a vastly oversimplified version of what Yellowstone is. Um, hmm. But no, like this is not a show that um, that everyone watched but I don't think that means – I also think it's too simplistic to then say it's like it's just a coastal media show, right? Like it is <laughs> It is the kind of show that I have a feeling it found pockets of audience for in a lot of places. And yes, in some places, those people were probably more alone in their viewing than I was in the New York media world where it was the <laughs> literal Super Bowl because also yeah. uh, one of the major like returning callbacks in the finale was Valter, which is Vulture, by the way. It's Vulture, guys. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, they didn't shout out Vox at all. <laughs> um, but there are not whole country shows anymore. Even Yellowstone mm. is not a whole country show in the way that Friends was 20 years ago, in the way that All in the Family was 40, 50 years ago. Succession is not – yes, it's fun to say, like, yeah, it's a bubble. Yeah. Every show is a bubble, guys. <laughs> it's all bubbles now. The criticism of the show I would sometimes hear, even in my bubble, was that, oh, I don't want to spend time with these awful people, which I always found interesting because people – didn't say that about Arrested Development or Seinfeld or The Sopranos, where the characters were all extremely self-involved or, you know, sadistic or even killers. What Was it because that Succession may have been too familiar a show about something we kind of were trying to avoid? We didn't want to spend time with this evil that we felt was too familiar or something like that. What do you what do you think it was that turned people off? Yeah, that complaint I also find really really fascinating. Um and I think, you know, I think there are a bunch of different possible reasons why it did not come up about those other shows. For one thing, um yes, it is about terrible people, but it is not for the most part about crime. It is not for the most part about murder and guns and like uh, the mob and drug dealers, right? And so we as a TV viewing culture are very, very acclimated to spending a lot of time with criminals when they are holding guns and shooting each other. And we are much less acclimated to spending time with regular assholes, right? <laughs> and which is not to say that they're regular assholes, like they're they're wealthy assholes beyond our wildest imagining. And that is a part of this too, right? That there is, uh, 
I mean, look, I hate to get all like like American culture, but like the bootstraps thing where we treat wealth as aspirational and we would prefer not to think about the idea that the meritocracy is a lie and the people at the top who have earned all gotten all of that money are in fact giant terrible people like they run the country and so it would be kind and nice to be able to believe that they were like functional and deserved it right and so there is a way that succession forces you to realize like oh no they're they're idiots they're really idiots right um they're not serious people they are not serious they're kind of bullshit (laughs) hey we are bullshit and so I think that I think there is a part of that, but I do think the generic instability, um, by which I mean like the genre instability of the show, plays into that too. Like when we're watching Arrested Development, it is very clearly telegraphed that we are laughing at these people, and it was always less clear in Succession whether you were supposed to be laughing at them or whether you were supposed mm. to be sympathizing with them, and that is a more uncomfortable position to be put in. Um, than something as clear-cut as a comedy that, that is like, I'm a comedy, laugh, laugh, laugh. All right, more with Catherine Van Arendonk after the break. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from 26.2 Team Milk and their new docu-series, Running Sucks. Is running the worst? Yeah. Do you love it? Do you hate it? I hate it so much. (laughs) I hate it so freaking much. That you're a real runner now! I hate it. (laughs) I'm Abby Ayers, a 37-year-old mom from Utah who found herself running across the Manhattan Bridge in my first race ever. Running Sucks celebrates women who run and the running communities that carry them across the finish line. Running helped me in so many ways postpartum. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. For every person like you, I'm telling you you belong and I'm telling you you can do it. I never thought the words would leave my mouth, but yes, I'm planning on running a marathon. Because, like, who would have thought? Watch Running Sucks at runningsuckstheseries.com and learn more about how Team Milk is helping women runners across the country conquer their next course. I saw this great tweet on Monday. It was some dad texting his kid saying, wow, I can't wait for the next season to see how Tom does. I don't think it's going to work out for Tom. I think he's just a puppet. And, and whoever was tweeting it said, "Can't, don't know how to break it to my dad that the show's over. So for all of the people out there with a succession-sized hole in their hearts, I wonder, Catherine, what shows you've got out there to recommend to fill the void. Should people watch Billions? I hear it's Rudy Giuliani's favorite TV show. What a tough question. What a tough question. Um, It really depends what void you're trying to fill, right? Like if it's awful rich people, like yes, billions, billions will do that job. But it is a very, it feels very different to watch billions than it does to Hmm. watch succession. It does not have, um, it is not interested in the kind of uh, slow burn, 
like the thing where you feel like you've been knifed and you didn't even realize it until you look down and you're bleeding thing that Succession <laughs> does. Um, Billions works on a much faster paced, much twistier, much um, it's going to feel more like your standard primetime soap than than Succession did. Um, you know, it's really hard to say. Like I, the reality is if you liked Succession, you are HBO pilled. And you probably want to be watching other fantastic HBO shows, including ones that are very, very different from Succession. Mm. I watched so many people mourning the end of it and and being like, this is the most important finale. And like, for me, the end of a show called Somebody Somewhere, a tiny, beautiful gem-like comedy on HBO that I desperately hope gets another season, is the thing where I was like, also watch that though. Oh my God, I cried. Mm. Um, I urge you to look for things that that do not superficially look the same, but that are made with the same exquisite care of a show like Succession. Preach. I'm going to watch Dave. I've been waiting to watch Dave. Do you watch Dave? I'm not a Dave fan, but I'm not anti-Dave. Okay, I'm not anti-Dave. I'm a reservation <laughs> dogs person, personally. Well, thank you for helping us through the ending <laughs> of what was certainly one of the great shows of our time. Are you ready to play a game? Let's do it. You've played it before, but a refresher. The game is called Into It, Not Into It. I'm going to read some stories from the week in culture, and you're just going to have to tell me whether you're into them or not into them and why. And then at the end of the game, I'll let you know if you won based on how Great. much I like your opinions. I've been on the receiving end of this game, too, so I'm very excited <laughs> to now be in this position. You Good are the judge. only person playing, so it'd be kind of brutal if you don't win, but... Let's see what happens. Uh, so, All right. So All right. we've been focused on Succession, but there were another few series finales this week, as far as I know. Uh, Barry, but also Ted Lasso. And I want to ask you if you're into or not into Ted Lasso ending. And I want to ask you because, you know, there was this consensus where it seemed that, you know, this season was a was a mess. Multiple unrelated unresolved storylines, inexplicable character actions. That's the word. Into it or not into it? Oh, I am extremely into it ending uh, because now it's ended. I uh, was not into this season of Ted Lasso. I think it benefited from a pandemic uh, glow, which I do not begrudge it. Like, people need their things when they need their things. That's fine. Uh -huh. But... Outside of that glow and in concert with that, it was like, you know what? People love Ted Lasso. You know what I bet they'd love? Even more Ted Lasso. <laughs> the finale of Ted Lasso is like an hour and 17 minutes long. Like, that's not what this show should ever have been. That is a signal that they don't know what the show was either. Mm. It was a mess. I'm glad it's done. What's Pandemic Glow? Were people drunk on Sourdough Starter or something? What, what happened? <laughs> people were like... I'm so sad, you guys. I really need something that's nice. And Ted Lasso in the beginning was that. It was about what it is like to love people and to feel hope. And we needed it. And I want you to be grateful that you're going through this sad moment with all these other folks. Because I promise you, there is something worse out there than being sad. And that is being alone and being sad. Ain't nobody in this room alone. And at the same time, it was still a half-hour comedy built on sitcom structures that understood how TV storytelling worked. Now, that last part, no longer true mm. by the end. 
Is it really ending as far as you know? Is this a John Wick situation? I've read that there's some uncertainty about the show continuing. There might be a spinoff. What do you think? Yeah, that I would also love to know the answer to. And I think it is extremely telling that there has been so little clarity about what this actually is. It certainly feels like a series finale. It also feels like a series finale that sets up one, maybe two different possible spinoff, like, entries, but it is not that backdoor pilot thing where you're like, clearly it's doing this other character. I think it might end. I, I really think it might be the end of Ted Lasso. I really don't know if there are going to be spinoffs. I really, really hope that they rethink how it is currently structured if they're ever going to be making more of it. Okay. Let's leave it there for Ted. Maybe good riddance, Ted. We'll see. Mm. Next up, are you into or not into Amazon discontinuing Alexa's celebrity voices. Alexa, ask Samuel L. Jackson to tell me the weather. I'm in the cloud, baby. Not sure if you heard about this. I I am, I have not heard about this. My gut reaction is I'm into f- no celebrity voices on <laughs> my Amazon products. <laughs> Apparently, you will not be able to purchase the celebrity voices of Samuel L. Jackson, Melissa McCarthy, and Shaq anymore. But soon, Amazon's going to stop supporting them on Alexa altogether. And it's not totally clear yet why they're stopping this. But a report from the Wall Street Journal last year revealed that the company's Alexa sector was operating at a multi-million dollar loss for the past years. Maybe not a surprise, but it sounds like you don't go for uh, celebrity Alexa assistance in your life. No, I I think it is uh, akin to the uncanny valley of Tom Hanks in the Polar Express. (laughs) And I also think, I think morally it raises alarming AI questions about Mm. what happens when you give your voice over to giant companies and then they can just use your audio likeness to say whatever the heck you feel like. Um, I find that to be on its own, like, like in an abstract way to be a very upsetting idea. I find it in a concrete way to be extremely disturbing to think about any of those people reading me back a shopping list (laughs) that I've dictated to a thing. Uh Uh-huh. and in general, I think probably we should sit down and be like, hey, what's AI doing? Are we all sure this is a good idea? Um, and I don't think this is unrelated to that. So uh, good good job to these celebrities who I assume have pulled out of whatever this agreement was. After making tens of millions of dollars, perhaps. Yeah. Well, look, okay. <laughs> uh, do you talk to any of the robots, the Google Homes, the series, the Alexas? Do you engage with them? I avoid it if at all possible, although we do have some of those objects in our home. Um, I The closest I will get is I will dictate the name of a TV show into a little Apple TV remote rather than typing it in to search. Uh-huh. Um, that's that's your voice. That's okay, though. That's not some celebrity that's voice. That's fine. Yeah. Yes. And I will ask them. I have kids, and so uh, the kids will want to play – Uh, call me maybe again for the whatever time (laughs) and so I will ask the devices to play it and then they will start playing it but I don't really ever want to hear them talk I like I don't yeah I don't need them to be talking back to me so this is tough but I wanted to ask you if you could have your pick of a celebrity (laughs) voice assistant 
yeah. which celebrity you would choose. But it sounds like you would choose uh, Silent Bob or something. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would choose, uh, you know, you should be at all times reminded of how creepy it is that you're listening to a celebrity. And so I think you have to go like Hal from 2001 A Space Odyssey mm. just so that you're always like, I don't trust you, though. Alexa, ask Samuel L. Jackson the weather. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. I just started talking to Siri. It works out fine because half the time I ask her a question, she doesn't know the answer. So (laughs) making no difference. More of the game with Catherine after the break. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, last question. Kind of in the same vein, but not really. Are you into or not into the telecommunication company, Nokia, trying to bring back the flip phone? Yes. (laughs) Absolutely, yes. I guess if you're not into into the last one, you might be into this one. Yeah, yeah. So Nokia has launched a new pink flip phone to entice nostalgic millennials and Gen Z. I guess its phone model was launched last year, but there are more colors now. And there's also Mm. a trending comeback of dumb phones with Gen Z. Uh, They're trying to bring all sorts of stuff back. Low-rise jeans, you know. Not that, not that. Point-and-shoot digital cameras. You could go for a a flip phone with no features? Maybe. I mean, not for me, obviously. Not for me. Not, no, I I absolutely could not. No, I'm I'm too deep. I'm way too deep. Could never do it. Uh, The world will need to end before I put my black mirror down. Um, But I believe there should be more options for people who want to be able to have a phone, but also are able are like not as pilled as I am about Twitter, right? Mm. Like I believe there, I believe we have eliminated too many of the alternatives for like living a public life, and I think probably there should be uh, uh, things that are available. I mentioned before that I have children, like. They need phones at some point. Mm. I don't really want them to have social media. I don't think a flip phone is a bad bridge before their frontal cortexes fully develop. But I need to be able to know where they are. Now, I assume it still takes 20 minutes to send a four-word text on one of those things. So <laughs> no, I, it's got to be better. They're at least <laughs> on like 2G or something. Yeah. <laughs> so given that, <laughs> hopefully if that's in place, then yes, I'm into the flip phones. Let's do it. I'm ready to go back to a landline personally. I, I want a phone that doesn't die. Do you, do you have one of those laying around? I do not. And I recently realized I probably should because my oldest child is old enough that occasionally I leave her home for 20 minutes. Oh. And I was like, but what happens if the house is on fire? Who does she call? <laughs> and I was like, 
I don't know. She better get out of the house. So I don't, we got to figure that part of it out. I, I mean, I kind of want, don't you think it'd be cool to have a landline that you never answer and like nobody has the number to, but you just know that there's a phone there just in case, maybe. Totally. Right? My mom has one. And whenever I'm home for the holidays, though, she gets tons of spam calls because I think those mm. numbers get listed in a different way. So it really does feel like a good call to have cut that cord, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I I don't want to use it, but the nostalgia, the cord. My kids don't know what it's like to have a phone cord would blow their minds. Mm. It's like in a museum, <laughs> one of those little curly phone cords. A new thing yeah. to trip over. Absolutely. I got great news for you, Catherine. Uh, you have won yes! this edition of Into It, Not Into It, because yes. I guess the way it works is I agreed with all of your answers. <gasps> I'm drunk on well, power. I, you know what? Last time I was on, Jesse won. So uh, now he's not here. Suck it, Jesse. <laughs> I'm the winner now. I hope this is the beginning of a great streak for you. Thank you. Thank you. Culture Geist. Culture Geist. You're listening to Culture Geist. Culture Geist. I don't know, y'all. And now for a segment we're calling Culture Geist. About all the things we can't stop thinking about. The culture that's haunting you, haunting me, haunting all of us, for better or worse. I'm Alison Wilmore. I am a film critic at Vulture, and I am currently very much in the webbed grip of Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. My name is Miles Morales. I'm Brooklyn's one and only Spider-Man. Which is gorgeous and funny and heartfelt and also very much half of story. They're, they're not calling it part one anymore, but if you are going in expecting closure, you're not going to get it until next year when they do Beyond the Spider-Verse, so uh, be ready. Being Spider-Man is a sacrifice. The animation is just incredible. You know, I half-jokingly said after the first Spider-Verse that it made you think that all superhero movies really should be animated. But this one makes you think that maybe all movies should be animated, at least if they're animated like this in this way that is so kinetic and imaginative and really beautiful. I mean, not to sound unbearably corny, but I absolutely teared up a little at the start of this movie, which picks up with Gwen Stacy and uh, in her earth, which is done in this watercolor inspired style in pinks and purples. It looks amazing. I mean, catch this movie on the big screen. Be prepared for that to be continued. It really is going to be one of the best looking things you'll see this year. Hey, it's Anusha again, Vulture's managing editor, sending a dispatch from the land of Riverdale season seven. One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. So the season finds itself in 1955, if you can believe it. It's been two days since Bailey's Comet almost decimated us and we were somehow zapped back to the 1950s. Reckoning with the death of Emmett Till and whether the students should cover his death in the school paper. A crime emblematic of everything that's wrong with this country. And nobody except my friend Tony and her friends seem to care about it. They proceed to honor him by reading a Langston Hughes poem on the morning announcements. Oh, what sorrow. Oh, what pity. Oh, what pain. So if you were hoping that the show 
took a turn for the hinged in the four seasons since you last watched, um, I'm here to tell you that you're absolutely wrong. And I can't in good conscience recommend that you check back in. You all have to make a go of it here in the 50s by doing what you can to ensure, to paraphrase one of my heroes, that the moral arc of this universe bends towards justice. My name is Gabby Grossman, and I'm a producer on Intuit. This week, My Culture Geist is a headline I saw about problematic queen Lana Del Rey. The headline on Entertainment Weekly reads, Lana Del Rey asks fans to help find her missing vape during concert in Brazil. You love me! And you know... I've been to many concerts in my life. I love you. And one of the best parts about going to a concert is the unity in the crowd. And also, if you see my vape on stage, can you find my vape on stage? And I am so glad that Lana could lean on the people who she loves most and who love her most to support her every need and to find that vape for her. Where, though? Oh, all the way in the pit? The spoiler alert is that, unfortunately, she does decide to give up because the vape she decides is too far away. But it's the thought that counts. Fuck it. And the fact that her fans were willing to go hard and find that vape for her is just gives me a great deal of hope in this cruel world. And for the record, losing her vape is the second most relatable thing Lana Del Rey has ever done, next to writing songs about soda. Where, though? Oh, all the way in the pit? Fuck it. Thanks again to Gabi, Anusha, and Allison. Listeners, do you have a culture geist, a thing in the culture that's been haunting you for days, for weeks, maybe even years? The more specific you are, the better. Just send us a short voice memo. Intuit at vulture.com. All right, this episode of Intuit was hosted by me. I'm Sean Ramos The show is produced by Janae West, Travis Larchuk, Gabby Grossman, Jelani Carter, and Taka Zen. Our editor is Jordana Hochman. Our engineer is Daniel Turek. Our music is composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. And the executive producer of audio at Vox Media is Nishat Kurwa. All right, we are back Tuesday with a brand new episode. Until then, take care of yourselves. Goodbye. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running. And that's not the case. Most runners hate running. (laughs) But they choose to do it. In the new docuseries, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon, taking place in Savannah, Georgia, on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.